Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. So in early January, uh, I was um, reading through uh, the Gospel of Luke, and I came across this verse that you just saw. And I don't know if you've ever done this before, but it was almost like um, I noticed it like I'd never noticed it before. You ever, you ever pop on something, and you're, it's like it opens your mind, and you kind of go down this little rabbit hole. You get in, you can't get out. You know what I'm talking about? And, you know, like you're driving around town and you see something around town and you go, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. Or say you're out in the garden and you see a plant and you go, gosh, that's fascinating. Or maybe there's something that you smell and, you, and that just starts a thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you do. You ever, you ever here's the deal. You ever walk into a room to get something? <laughs> now I got you. Okay. You see something else, and then you forget why you went into the room, right? So that's what happened to me when I read this verse. And here's what I would tell you. You would expect me to say this, right, as a pastor, that I've probably read this verse, I don't know, like a couple of hundred times across my lifetime. But, I, you know, I just saw it uh, in a new way. And I, I want to show you the verse again. Here it is. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And uh, this verse comes at the end of, of a really important chapter in Luke's gospel, right? And Luke chapter 2 begins with the birth of Jesus, kind of important, okay? And um, it's, the, it's the version of the story of Jesus' birth that my family, we typically read every year around the Christmas tree, and then we say a prayer, and then we uh, exchange gifts and share gifts with one another. So the, the Luke chapter 2 begins with the birth of Jesus, and then it tells a story of Mary and Joseph taking Jesus to the temple eight days after he's born. So we go from the birth, uh, and then eight days after he's born, and then the, the next story in Luke chapter 2, Jesus is now 12 years old. So think with me just about this for a moment. We go from birth to 12 years in the span of one chapter. And, in, and then, and then uh, if you remember this story, <clears throat> what happens, uh, Mary and Joseph are on the way to take, uh, to observe what's called the Feast of the Passover. It's kind of a religious tradition, but back in the day, it also became kind of a political tradition because there was a census involved. So they, they take Jesus to Jerusalem from Nazareth. And if you know this story, it's kind of fascinating. <clears throat> they lose Jesus along the way. 
Okay, so now I want you to just, I don't want to drive by that. You're, think with me for just a moment about that. So you already realize there's something really remarkable about this child. He's now 12 years old. He's still remarkable. And so you've been singled out to, you know, bear the, the son of the living God in human form on earth. And when he gets to be 12, you lose him. <laughs> now, if you're a parent... And you know that there, he's 12, there's a part of you that goes, well, it's totally understandable, right? He's a preteen, this is what happens. And uh, I remember when our girls were little and I would put the girls in the truck and, and I would go off to do some errands. Every now and again, Beth would say, I, I'm heading out the door. She would go, moms, you probably did this. She would go, hey, you've got two girls with you. Bring two girls back when you come home. <laughs> the same two girls that you left with. And so they lose, they lose Jesus and then they find Jesus and then they observe the feast of the Passover and the Bible, then the story says, then they head off back to Nazareth. I would imagine a little bit with their tail between their legs. And then we have this verse. So we go through all of that and then it comes to this. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. And, and I was thinking about this because it says, first of all, it says that he grew in wisdom. And when we think about wisdom, this is what we think about, right? We think he grew in intelligence, he grew in intellect, he grew in agency and capacity. This is what Jesus did. He, he grew. Then it says this, he grew in stature, which is just a way to say this. He grew up. He developed, he got bigger, you know, developed facial hair, you know, like, I mean, this is, this is, he matured. And then it says this though, it says he grew in favor. Now that's kind of a unique word and favor. If you want to know what that means, it it means like he grew kind of uh, in kindness. He grew in grace. If you're taking notes is what I would want you to know. He grew in bestowed benevolence. Isn't that great? Which, which means this. And it says this. It, he grew in wisdom and stature and favor. So the, but the interesting thing about this verse is not only did this verse stick out to me, but this part of the verse stuck out to me. He grew in wisdom and favor with God and man. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. I don't want to drive by it. His emotional intelligence grew. His relational capital with other human beings, follow me now, grew. Jesus grew. And, and, and here's, here's the thing that's fascinating to me and don't send me hate mail. Um, this started when he was 12. I don't know what you were like when you were 12. Those were not my highest relational intelligence days. But Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, 
I started thinking about this phrase. See, I'm in the, I'm in the rap. You see, where, you see what happened? I'm just in, like I'm in this thing. I can't get out of it. And, and I started thinking to myself, we would understand this part, right? I mean, after all, he's God. So we, you would, we, in, in fact, we would expect that, and we would expect that by virtue of what I do, you know, you, that, that I'm going to talk about that. But what I want to draw your attention to this morning is that he also grew and bestowed benevolence with respect to humanity. And then I started thinking about that. And what I thought of was um, this idea that, um, you know, God and humanity are going to have this long-term encounter with one another. Like there's some breadth and depth to that. Um, One of my favorite authors, I quote him from time to time, Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard makes a fascinating observation. Let me show you this. He said, God's aim in human history is the creation of an inclusive community of loving persons with himself included as its primary sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. Let's stand for closing prayer. (laughs) Fascinating, right? So God and humanity are going to be in this inclusive community, you know, for a long time. That's, That's God's aim. And you get to be included in that. You get to be a part of a community that goes on forever. Now, if you live in Florida, I started thinking, that used to be like the villages. <laughs> right? Remember that? And now there's a, there's, a commu- <laughs> there's, a community, there's a community in central Florida called Margaritaville. Right? My, my, my younger daughter and her husband live in a, a part of town in Lake Worth, uh, and they live in this beautiful little neighborhood. In the neighborhood directly across from them, the, the name of the neighborhood is Journey's End. <laughs> you think just what I think. And I'm sure, I mean, it looks like it's this beautiful community. You could just tell from the, the you know, like out front that it's beautiful. But there's something about that name, right? It's kind of like Hotel California. You get in, <laughs> but you can't ever get out. You know, it's kind of fascinating. But, but here's what I want you to think, and I'm driving toward a point, so stay with me. Put, let's put our minds and our intellect to this. Um, I, I think Dallas Willard is right because look what Dallas Willard's, or look what the scripture says in Revelations 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Let's go, everybody. That, come on. Now, and for those of you who are learning about the Christian experience, and you might wonder right now, that's cool, but like, what will it be like? in this forever community. Let me show you what it'll be like, the next verse. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Man. And there will be no more death. I did two funerals yesterday. 
One in the early part of the afternoon, one in the late part of the afternoon. There will be no mourning, or there will be no crying, there will be no pain. The old order of things has passed away. Sign me up. Right? We have a tendency, I think, in our culture to skip across the surface of most things. We even have phrases for it. We'll call it multitasking. My mama calls it divided attention. And uh, I, I don't know, I, I, was, I went down the rabbit hole on this, you know, and I thought um, February is a time when we talk about relationships, typically romantic relationships, and I thought, what if, we, what if we enlarge the circle for just a few moments together on these weekends? And uh, we talk about the human dynamic of relationships because, you know, we're going to have to, I mean, if we're, if we're looking at all of this, it's here, right? We are going to have to figure out a way to do life together in which um, our bestowed benevolence with one another increases. And, and, just so you know, I, I really believe this is God's vision for his people. Now, this is a moment because you could self-select out of this. Uh, we have many people who are, uh, you know, making current deci- Let me just say it this way, making current decisions about God. Right. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot going on in that category, right? Just if you don't believe me, next time you're in Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, just bring the subject up. <laughs> See what develops. Uh, and people are people are stepping in and stepping back all the time. I read an article just this a uh, couple weeks ago about the Gen Z generation and how many, many young people, we, we want to say there, you know, there's like this story out there, there's this narrative out there that they're just leaving, they're leaving, you know, faith in droves. I read an article that suggests, hold on just a minute. And many young people are finding and giving God another chance because life is so weird right now. And there's such desperation, they're willing to try anything again. And that's a perfect playground for the Spirit of God. But um, I want us to think deeply around uh, this subject because um, here's the way I think, this is how my brain sometimes works. When we think about... um, when we think about people of faith and the subject of bestowed benevolence, that's a mixed review dynamic, right? And that's not necessarily something that um, uh, 
people in our world completely uh, would give us credit for people of faith. And sometimes we've earned that. Uh, Many of us have maybe an experience with church that didn't go well. Uh, I have one of those. And so I understand that. But um, I thought it would be important to talk about this because here's what I think is super fascinating. If you study the life of Jesus through the lens of the verse of scripture I just showed you, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man what you begin to notice if you look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels through that lens, you find a particular orientation around the way that he did life, which is very attractive. Uh, Almost, I would say, even for irreligious people, uh, I have some uh, friends who are irreligious and they've told me as much You know, it's like the church I don't get. But Jesus is fascinating, right? And you begin to notice that Jesus, um, there was a particular orientation around the way that he engaged with humanity that was incredibly compelling. And, and, And just sort of as a baseline within the conversation I would like us to have for a couple of weekends here on all of our campuses, um, I thought I would give you the baseline of what I've learned when I study the life of Jesus. In fact, I noticed three very compelling things. You might want to write them down. I want to show them to you. Here's the first one. Jesus seems to teach this idea that we are created to live in relationship with one another. Say that out loud with me. We are created to live in relationship with one another. So if this is true, and I believe it is, we have to figure out a way, if you will, to do it. And I was thinking about this because here's what I I notice about if you just study the life of God in the Bible, if you go all the way back to the beginning, like to the creation narratives, the creation stories, you find this interesting uh, idea in Genesis chapter one. Here we are at the very beginning of the Bible, right? This is like, we're only a chapter in and notice what it says. Then God said, he's creating. Then God said, look at, let us make mankind in our, do you notice the plural language there? Now here's what we understand from just from this side, just go with me for a moment. Here's from a theological perspective. Here's what we understand. This is a, this is a tip of the hat to the triune God, right? God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One, one God, three, three unique persons, three unique personalities. So this is, this is that idea. But it's embedded, it's embedded into this grander truth, which is that we've been literally created to live in relationship with one another. This is like the, the first thing. So, so God is modeling. That's what I want you to get. God is modeling for us how we do life together, how we should do life together. Now, follow me. Follow my, my, my trail of thought. If you go to the Gospel of John in the 17th chapter, here's a passage of Scripture. This is Jesus 
right before he leaves um, the upper room, he walks down across the Kidron Valley, down into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's betrayed into the hands of evil men, and he's crucified and buried. So this is that moment. Like, this is a big moment. And notice, notice the prayer. In fact, we t- traditionally, we, we think of the Lord. If I were to say, pray the Lord's prayer right now, we'd all go, our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. You want to know what the true Lord's prayer is? It's actually this one. Here's Jesus praying. My prayer, my prayer, Jesus, he's in the upper room. My prayer, God, is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, through the disciples' message, that all of them may be, look at, one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, if we were to just, you know, remember I taught you how sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I'll, I'll go, if I want to get a concept in my own brain and in my heart, I'll go, this is all I know. Of. This is all that's ever been written about this subject. This is kind of what my own brain does. If I were to do that here, here's what it seems to, to be that Jesus is saying. He's saying that... Um, if God's work is going to get done in the world, if, if everyone's going to believe in his goodness and his mercy and his kindness and his grace, tethered to that somewhere is this ability that all of us figure out a way to do life together. Make sense? Do you see it? It's right, it's right, right there in the, in the text. And so, so the, the first thing that I notice really about the life of Jesus is that... Um, he modeled for us this principle that um, we're literally created to live in relationship with one another. I was reading recently, uh, this is fascinating, I was reading uh, uh, about, the, there's a journal called the Journal of Happiness Studies. Listen to this. When researchers look at what distinguishes happy people from less than happy people, One factor consistently separates the two groups. Interestingly, it's not how much money you have, how much security you have, how attractive you are, or even your health. The distinguishing characteristic between happy people and not so happy people is the presence of rich, deep, joy-producing, life-changing relationships. Period. Fascinating, right? Let me go on. I found this. This is fascinating. There's a guy by the name of George Kaplan. He's a Harvard research scientist. He studied the lives of 7,000 people for a period of nine years. Okay? Listen to this. And he discovered in his study that, that, um, that people who were isolated or did not adequately invest enough time to do human relationships well, they were over three times more likely to die earlier than those who had strong relational connections. Fascinating, right? Let me go on. 
even people who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating, struggles with obesity, bad sleep habits, never exercising, and even using excessive alcohol, but they had strong relational connections. These people lived significantly longer than people with great health habits, but they were isolated. So the moral of the story is this. Better to eat Twinkies with good friends. I, I told Trevor this before church, and he said, it's like getting born again all over again. There, there we go. Okay, moving on. You've been created, um, here's what I want you to know. You've been created to do relationships with other human beings well. God's challenge for you um, is to grow in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And the question becomes, how are you going to do it, Right? Now, wouldn't it be great, just moving along, wouldn't it be great if, if that was all there was? Like, wouldn't it be great if the sermon could stop? There's some of you right now thinking, I would be great if the sermon would stop right there. But, <laughs> but it's not going to stop there because there's this other dynamic that Jesus kind of modeled for us, and it's the second principle, and here it is. My relational success is never guaranteed nor even really natural to me. It's a learned skill. And we have to remember this. Um, To grow in wisdom, stature, and favor presupposes development. Uh, I had some weekends I was away, and uh, Pastor Trevor and Jess uh, were preaching, did a phenomenal job, both of them as always, but... Here's what I would say. Um, I was away because I, um, when you've been a pastor in the same location as long as I have, you watch kids grow up, and then they fall in love, and they want you to marry them. And now I've been here long enough that um, I've seen kids grow up, fall in love, get married. I baptize their kids. It's a phenomenal thing. It's such an honor. And I did two weddings in January. Here I did this wedding. This is... Uh, Preston and Mackenzie uh, Hayes, and uh, last weekend I did I did this wedding. This is uh, Keith and uh, Paige Hellebrand, and yes, I wore the same tie to both weddings. I, <laughs> I want you to know that. And there's always a moment when I'm doing weddings when they're in this moment right here. This is probably what's happening right here in this moment. I. I tell people, I tell couples who are about to get married, because, you know, it's all, it's all awesome, right? Everybody has their best foot forward at a wedding. And I always remind people, um, marriage is awesome. And it's also not for wimps. And, and this, usually what I tell them right here is I said, um, you are going to experience and see the reflection of your own humanity in the face of the person you're holding hands with right there like all your brokenness, right, comes out. There's never a guarantee, right? It's not a guarantee. 
I remember when Beth and I got married, there was, it's not a guarantee. I mean, there was no guarantee it was going to work out. There was no guarantee she wasn't a psycho woman. <laughs> hear about that later. Um, and uh, Beth, who's way more intelligent and faithful than I am, she, she, she thought that we would need help. And she uh, put a verse of scripture in my wedding ring. It's, it's, it's engraved in my wedding ring. I want to show you the passage of scripture. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. It's almost, it's almost like she knew what she was getting involved with. <laughs> Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, here's what you and I both know. I want to say it real quickly. That's just not a verse for people who get married, right? That's a verse. That's a us verse. We need it. We need it. Because the world's crazy right now, right? world's crazy right now. In fact, if you don't think the world is crazy right now, look at what happened in our own county this, this week. Come on. In fact, this is a dumpster fire because of this thing. Come on. I, I, I could not resist when I saw that. Take it down right now. Just take it down. Um, in fact, real quick. Real quick, put the verse back up, Lynn. Thank, thanks, Lynn, um, Lynn Anzalone, who's preaching with me, everybody, up there. Come on. Lynn, go back, go back to Colossians 2. I just, I just want to make a point real quick. So how we doing right now? No, hold on. How, how are you doing here? Are you clothing yourself with compassion? How about kindness? Or humility? Would people say of you you're gentle? Or patient? Bear with each other means um, be long-suffering. Forgive. How are we doing? <laughs> Finally, someone's honest. One, one more principle. Um, here it is. I'm learning that a deep and abiding apprenticeship to Jesus creates the best opportunity to experience relational flourishing. Um, now, how do you see that, Dale? How are you using Jesus to talk about Jesus? So here's the thing. Notice that Jesus said of God, I and the Father are one. So he was practicing this. 
And we have to practice this. Um, here's, here's, it's, in, it's fascinating for me as I'm getting older to, to notice themes that are emerging in the church at large, the, the church universal that, that I learned many, many, many years ago in seminary. One of them is this. We're all being spiritually formed. That's not a new concept. Uh, it's, not, it's not really the question isn't, are you, are you going to be in, engaged in spiritual formation or are you not? That's not really the question. Here's the question. Of whose image are you being formed? Because you're being formed. Some of us are being formed by our political narrative. Ooh. Some of us are being formed um, by the buds we hang out with on Friday night. I, I had a guy when I was just making a commitment to Jesus. We were very, very good friends. And uh, he was engaging in spiritual formation by trying to have sex with as many people as he could have sex with. We're all being spiritually formed. But I'm going to tell you something, y'all. Your best shot is to engage in an apprenticeship with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something about our church. We're, we're gonna, we are running and we are running more and more at that like our pants are on fire. That is our responsibility before you to help you desire and want and engage and get connected to formation in Jesus' image. And Jesus grew wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. Oh, Lord, this is important. Would you help us uh, to understand uh, with just a simple drive-by verse all that you might say to us about our lives and all that is important? For we pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. Hey, so you have an opportunity in front of you, all of us do, right? Uh, In a few moments to leave this place and to commit yourself new and afresh to growing in wisdom. Many of us have the stature thing already done. But the growing in favor with God and man is, is legit and real. Do that. Do it. Enroll in an apprenticeship with Jesus. See what happens. And uh, I just want to say it's, it's, it's pearl of great price, really. It really is. Um, I want to remind everybody before you leave, got some really good friends of mine down here who would love to pray with you. These are praying men, willing to pray with you. If you have a special need, we'd like you to come this way. And uh, let me pray over you a prayer benediction. God, in this space, 
uh, we commit to you fresh and new. Uh, Let this year be a different year, Lord, in our relational capital development. May our EQ go up. May we grow in favor, bestowed benevolence, bestowed goodwill between us and you and us and others. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Go in his mercy. We'll see you next weekend.